If I had a hammer. I'd hammer in the morning. That's going to sound terrible. Welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This show is about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the tools of our trade, so what hardware we use, what software we use, and how these things help us complete our work. So, Kevin, how you been since the last episode? Uh, yeah, really, really busy. Some some new news as well with um, the business that I do with my partner called Nick, uh, which is Steel Beam Calculator Limited. We've sort of now we've become me and Nick are now equal partners in the business, so that's quite momentous. So it's, we've obviously been sorting out all the paperwork associated with that, but that's that's a, a positive development because I think to get Nick, you know, as invested in the business as I am is, is important for its future growth. So yeah, I know a lot of stuff for that, but we're now finished with that. How, how have you been getting on then, Steve? What's, uh, what have you um, been up to? So since the last uh, episode we recorded, I've actually been on holiday. So we went to Mallorca, okay. it's a place called Camp Hicker 4 for 10 days, which was brilliant. I managed to pretty much switch off oh, that's from, good, yeah. from work. Yeah. So because I don't run like a software as a service product, I haven't really got any support queries or anything like that to deal with. So. I got loads and loads of work done before I went, so I felt kind of okay, not too guilty about taking some time off. So I came back with a suntan, which was quite nice. Um, on more work-related stuff, so my new Pluralsight course is nearly done, so I recorded the second-to-last module this morning before, okay. before you came to record this episode. So I should have that course finished by the end of this week, which is fantastic. It's always good to get one of those courses out of the way. Yeah, do you feel that because you've been away, you can... You know, you sort of refresh and go back and really attack your work because you've had that break. Or... Yeah, I do actually. So I came back kind of raring to go. I mean, I had a module scripted already for the course before I went on holiday. So I came back and just went straight into recording it. Yeah, and, I just, uh, yeah, I do. I've not, not been away this year because my wife's pregnant. So we've decided not to go on holiday this year, um, at least abroad anyway. So yeah, I do. We haven't been anywhere. So it's, yeah, I think next year we'll definitely go away. So I think it'd be nice to have that break for me as well. Yeah, I mean, now now my kids are slightly old. I mean, my youngest is now six, so they're not quite as bad on planes anymore. So <laughs> it's not quite as stressful they, yeah. as it used to be. I think they go through this stage, don't they, where I think they're okay when they're really young and when they're older, okay, it's that in-between stage, apparently. So, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So uh, the other thing as well, which is quite cool, so I, I released a book a little while ago called A Gentle Introduction to Beating Procrastination and Getting Focused. That's been available on Kindle and um, Amazon Paperback for a while now. But I've uh, just released the audiobook version, so that's on Audible and iTunes, which okay. is fa- fantastic. So I, I didn't record it myself, so I, I have a narrator that I use in the US called uh, Timothy Burke. Okay. And he records them for me, and it sounds great. I'm really happy with it. So, oh, I might have to ask it. So for people that don't really want to sit there and read, necessarily read a book, they can just listen to it on their commute. Yeah, we are looking for a voice, a US voiceover, so I'll have to ask you details of that after the, after the well, show. I can, I can uh, send you his details. He does a lot of uh, TV commercial work oh, as wow. well. So. Yeah. 
And then the other thing I've really got to say is I've just treated myself to a standing desk. I've been after one of these for ages. <laughs> and it, it literally turned up this morning, so I tried to set it up and play with it before we recorded this episode, just so yeah, I is, could say it whether it's nice. good or not. It is nice. But I went for the Flexi Spot E2B desk, I think it's called. Oh, wow. And I'm yeah. really happy with it. So I've stood up for about 20 minutes working at it, and it's been... Good. I feel fitter and healthier already. Yeah, it's supposed to be better for you, isn't it, I think, than, than a sitting desk. But, um... Yeah, but I did quite a bit of research on it, and they're saying, you know, obviously doing a lot of sitting, which I've you know, done that for decades, is really bad for you. But on the yeah. flip side, if you stand all day, that's bad for you as well. So they, they kind of reckon that you should do 20 to 30 minutes standing, then, oh, do, a bit, then do a bit of walking around, and then sort of do an hour or so maybe sitting, and then sort of stand for another half an hour yeah, or 20 minutes. We, so you kind of vary it. Yeah, I think we do lead such unnatural lives, don't we? <laughs> generally so yeah yeah anything, anything like that does help i think i've been i've been trying to get a bit fitter recently and this is one of my ways of doing it yeah fantastic so we'll see how it goes we'll see, see if in a month's time if i'm still standing <laughs> okay so for today's audience questions uh the first one is from a guy called tom and he says did either of you find that you had to put down a large outlay of cash when creating your businesses so did you have to invest a lot of money into your business to start it up uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't know. I just, um, I had I like, what I like to call a runway. So I don't know if you were the same. So I had money in the bank, but that was more to cover costs while I was starting out because I wasn't earning as much money as what I had been in my, at least when I was initially. So, but the money was there just to basically have like what they call like a runway. Yeah. But I never really used it. You know, I think I always managed to create enough money, at least when you're freelancing, you know, I was able to get enough freelancing revenue to, to cover costs, but yeah, not not really. No, I don't. I don't. I think you can just start. Sometimes, I mean, if it's a software product and you're not a developer and you need to pay a developer to build a product or an MVP or or whatever, that can be quite expensive. So I think sometimes it depends. You might need a large cash outlay, but I think it's best to sort of start small and build out from nothing. You know, if you can, ideally. What What was your so no, I didn't really. I mean, my business, as I know it now, kind of really started when I started producing courses for Pluralsight. So from that standpoint, I mean, I had the computers already. Um, mm. I had to buy things like microphones, microphone stand, uh, various software licenses. I was using a product called Camtasia at the time for recording the courses. So I had to pay that, but I mean, that probably all cost less than £500. Yeah, yeah. So really, the only, the only investment for me was giving up my evenings to record the course because I was still working at the time. Yeah, I think it's more time than money, isn't it, that you need, um, which which isn't always easy. But yeah, I, I don't think you necessarily need a large cash outlay. I think it's handy to have one, you know, to um, at least psychologically, you know, it's 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 less worrying. I know some people just have a go, don't they, with no money, and they they, they get lucky. But I think it's it's a yeah, risk. Isn't I it? mean, I I don't hire any staff, so I didn't need to pay for anyone's wages. But obviously, if you're going to have to bring people in you know, software developers, for example, or marketing people to help build your product. And obviously, you have to pay them, so you you will need money up front yeah. for that, but that wasn't really an issue for me. I think if you're building a really um, particularly large product that, that needs a large investment, it, it's, that might be the point where you think, I need to sort of raise money or or perhaps think about it differently or perhaps, you know, try and do it the cheapest possible way that you can and then see whether it works and then build out from that rather than pumping a whole lot of cash into something you don't know whether it's going to work or not. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So the second question is from Andy S. And his question is, did you form a legal company for your side hustle? If so, what kind? Okay. Yeah. Um, initially, I I didn't. Um, I just did it as a side project. So I did my day job and then sort of 
weekends and, and nights I'd do my side hustle but it, I, I didn't form a, a legal company I just did it as a sole trader but obviously when I started out when I quit my day job I did start uh, a limited company but that was because the sort of consultancy work that I was doing as a structural engineer there is some kind of liability issues you know in terms of I did a design that was um, incorrect it was best to protect myself to have a limited liability company so the you know the liabilities on the company rather than you as a personal individual so i think it depends doesn't it really i mean i think if you're doing a a side project um you can just do it without i mean i, I know it's different in america and they have their own s corps and etc i'm not an expert on on sort of legal structures in america so you'd have to contact uh you know an, a, a lawyer to help you with that but yeah, I, I think I think it's best to sort of obviously reduce your costs when you're starting out. Um, but I mean, in the UK, it's relatively easy to form a limited company. Um, I think the difficult bit is the accountancy angle, obviously, because you need more accounts than if you're doing it as a sole trader. So there are some complications, but obviously there's also some tax benefits as well to forming a, a limited company. I don't know, what, what was your process, Steve? Did you form a limited company? I did, yeah. So I renamed it after a few years. So initially... I think I said a few episodes ago, I started off by doing sound libraries, um, oh, okay. sample, sample libraries. So I formed a limited company for that. Um, but then I kind of decided not to pursue that business anymore. And then I started doing the pluralsight stuff. So I renamed the company. And for that, it was, it was kind of a similar thing. It's a good idea to have a limited company because of limited liability. So mm. I, in my courses, I'm telling people how to do particular things. I'm giving advice. Some of that advice I give is around software security and cyber security. So the last thing I want is if I give some advice and then it's kind of not very good advice for someone and it causes them some problems, I need to protect myself from that. So I've got that set up as a limited liability company. I've also got something called errors and emissions insurance. Yeah. Which I think has a slightly different name in the UK, but I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, we have obviously professional indemnity insurance. That's the one, professional is, indemnity. Which is similar, I assume, to yeah. errors and emissions. So I've done that. The... The only bit which is really hard about setting up a company, I mean, the actual process of setting up a company in the UK is very simple. I mean, you can go online and just fill out a few forms and yeah. within a day it's all set up. The hardest bit for me is because I get paid um, by an American company, I had to fill out a form called a W8BEN-E form. So there's there's a W8BEN, which is if you're an individual receiving money from the US. Okay. Then there's the E version, which is for entities. And that form is probably the scariest, most horrific form I've ever had to fill in in my <laughs> life. And I had to get advice on how to do it because the 25-page or so instruction book that came with it was really cryptic. And, but the reason we have that and the reason why it's important is because we have, certainly in the UK, we have a 0% tax treaty with the US. Uh, okay, so yeah. if you earn money in the US, they don't withhold any tax at their end. We just pay corporation tax in the UK. Uh, okay. now, it's not 0% for every country. Some countries it might be 5% tax withholding in some countries it might be 10 or more yeah but between yeah. the uk and the us it's currently zero so yeah that was kind of a, a benefit for me as well yeah i mean obviously we have a, a steel beam calculator for the us market so yeah we're sort of familiar with, with, with that but yeah yeah so, does that mean everything's imperial not metric oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> i don't know how i mean obviously we, we have to work with feet and inches and pounds per square foot and all this all this kind of strange units but i it's it's a nightmare to do calculations with i don't know how how they do it but i see it's all software now so it doesn't matter really but it is it is hard work great so thanks to tom and andy for the questions this week okay so for today's topic then i thought it'd be quite you know good fun just to talk about some of the 
tools and software and services that we both use to run our businesses. Now, obviously, you know, your business isn't going to become successful just because you use a particular tool or not. A, a tool is there to help you. You, know, yeah, you, you still need to do traditional product development, marketing, etc. Yeah, I think a tool, I mean, obviously, you know, just use the tools that work for you. You know, we, this, this is the tools that we use and hopefully you might find some of them useful. Um, but a tool is just a tool. It isn't the business. Yeah, so I thought, first of all, let's just talk about, you know, hardware and computers, I guess, that okay, we get yeah. use from they say. And I know, I know we're both quite different in our approaches here. So what do you use um, just computer really, wise? really cheap equipment. I always try and, uh, I've got an old an old PC laptop. I think it's about four years old. Right. It wasn't particularly expensive, brand new. It's an old Toshiba satellite uh, laptop. It was just something cheap. And obviously, because I'm working remotely and I, I like to sort of travel around, you know, if I spill a cup of coffee on it, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's like my wife, she has a, a very nice, shiny MacBook Pro at home. And I have this... Uh, you know, which she probably uses to sort of look at forums and, and, and use for Netflix and stuff like that. You know, not, not really sort of business critical stuff, you know, but I have a, like an old laptop that I do all my work on, yeah. um, which is kind of ironic. Um, the other thing I have a, also have is I have a small Chromebook as well. Okay. So it's an Ace Chromebook 14 and that's quite nice to have in a coffee shop, you know. And and again, it was only £180, it's really, really cheap, mm. you know. Um, and I, I, like the, I like the simplicity of the Chromebook. And also, it kind of gives me focus a little bit because I can't do a lot of sort of the. It's more. I use it more for managing, uh, you know, doing a lot of the web web apps, communicating with my freelancers, rather than sort of doing CAD work and things like that, where you need to have a, a PC or a Mac, you know. So it kind of gives me a bit of focus to use that. So yesterday, I just took my Chromebook to work. Okay. Um, it's sort of like an enforced um, discipline a little bit. So, yeah, I tend to use. Um, um, I have an iPhone as well, so that's, that's, I have an iPhone 8 Plus. Um, I did look at the 10. Do you, do you have an iPhone? I don't know if you do, Steve. Uh, I've got the 8 Plus as well. I've got the oh, iPhone, yeah. 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 I, would, I did look at the 10, but I kind of found it a bit gimmicky, and it was quite a lot of money. The, the 10's a fantastic phone, um, but as, as with anything, it was, their, it was their first version of the new type of phone, so I didn't want to jump straight in. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if I had jumped in, it would have been fine. A lot of my friends have got the 10. They, they absolutely swear by it and love it. I didn't like the home button thing. I don't know why. It's just, I'm just quite traditional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do like to have the um, the nice phone, even though I don't have a nice computer. I still have the nice, um, and and that's pretty much it. Really, I just have a few other bits and bobs like headphones, but only like cheap stuff. You know, I always take if I'm traveling around, I just take cheap cheap equipment, okay. and then if it gets damaged or I spill coffee on it or drop it, it doesn't really matter. You know. So for the Chromebook, do you have to be online to use things like Google Docs, or can it work offline as well? You can, you can do some stuff offline, but I'm, to be fair, I'm always online anyway. Right. And then I've got my phone, so I can just tether to my phone if I need to, if I can't get internet. Okay. And yeah, generally true. I'm in a cafe or somewhere that has internet, or I'm in an office, so it's not normally a problem. Cool, okay, well, so I'm, I'm kind of the opposite to you then, so I, I use Apple equipment. I, I always used to be a PC user, and yeah. in, in the last company I worked at. Uh, the CTO is a big Apple fan, and there's various Apple advocates like designers in the company. And I'd always been of the opinion now Apples are just overpriced, you know, not not very good, you know, eye sheep and all that sort of stuff. But I thought I'm going to give it a try. And Apple's got this really good thing where if you buy it, I think it's within ten or fourteen days. I can't remember exactly. If, if it's not for you, you just take it back, and they give you a full no quibbles refund. Yeah. So I thought, okay, well, let's get a MacBook Pro. Let's play around with it. If I like it, I'll keep it. If I don't like it, I'll just give it back and get my money back. So I did that a few years ago, and I got like one of the older style MacBook Pro 15s. And you know, after I spent a few days adjusting to it, I really liked it. 
Yeah. And I, and I could I could immediately kind of see why people are so passionate about using their Apple Mac Apple yeah, laptops. Yeah, I mean uh, they are beautiful machines. There. Also, my wife's got one, and it makes a lovely noise when you type on it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's lovely. So what I've done since then is I've come. Well, I've sold that particular one that I've got, and what I do now in my company is I actually lease my computers. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember you saying this. Yeah. So at the minute, I've got a MacBook Pro 15 inch and one of those LG 5K displays. So I've had that leased for nearly two years now, and that, that, that actually goes back to the leasing company in January, and I'm gonna swap it for an iMac. Okay. And then I've got a smaller 13-inch laptop, which I use for traveling around with, which is also leased. The benefit of doing that is, I mean, certainly in the UK, if you buy a piece of hardware, then it's kind of an asset on the book, and it depreciates over time. Yeah. And then after a certain period, it's effectively worthless to the company, you need to dispose of it. Yeah. Whereas with a, a lease, you're paying for a service, mm. so it's a, it's fully tax deductible. After two years, you give the hardware back and sign a new lease agreement. You get new shiny yeah, toys. Yeah, it might be an option to obviously you don't have to put the upfront cost as well, dear, which is which I can see for businesses would be a, a big advantage. Yeah, so I mean, it's not for everyone, but it, it kind of works well for me. Uh, and then when I'm traveling, say I take the 13-inch laptop with me, and I will not travel without a pair of Bose QC35 noise cancelling headphones. Because uh, traditionally, I always used to get really bad headaches if I did long train journeys or plane journeys. Yeah. Just because of that sort of constant whining din of the engines. Yeah. And so you always used to suffer bad migraines from it. But ever since I got those Bose noise cancelling headphones, yeah, as soon as I get on the plane, I switch them on and... You can't hear it, the noise. It completely drowns it out and they're absolutely amazing. They're not cheap. I mean, they're probably, what, a couple of hundred quid or yeah, slightly more. Yeah, I to invest in some new But they are just... Absolutely phenomenal. Okay, so that, that's hardware. So let's talk a bit about sort of software and services. So what what do you use to, to um, keep keep the engine running on your business? Yeah, obviously, obviously, because I have a um, somebody who does remote support for me and, and various different business parts. We're all remote, so we have to use various different tools uh, to keep in touch with all the people that I work with. So I tend from emails I tend to use Gmail. I don't know if you're the same. Do you use Gmail? Um, I've got a Gmail account which I use more for personal mail, but it tends to just get cluttered up with spam and nonsense. Yeah, I mean, so so Gmail's not too bad because it does have all the spam filters and things, so there's things that you can do. Um, but yeah, I use Gmail for all of my emails, all my business emails. Um, the other thing was we use is uh, for support, we use Zendesk. Chat. Okay. Uh, we do chat support, so we use Zendesk. I don't know if you, obviously you probably don't, because we're a software product, we have to do stuff like that. So when we do do support, we use Zendesk. Uh, which oh, is that one of those little things where you get like a little pop-up on yeah, the screen on your little, website and people can start a support call? Yeah, for you? Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, I do. I do. It's, great, it's great to interact with customers, um, so I do do that occasionally. I use, for, for sort of cloud storage, I use Dropbox. I don't know what you use. Do you use yeah, I use Dropbox, and I, I think I pay for, I think I've got like a two terabyte. Yeah, I do the paid, the paid one. It's not that expensive. Is it about £60 a year or something like that, is it? It's not much, but I mean, yeah, it's Dropbox not. has actually saved saved my butt a few times. Where I've really? Actually, I've, um, not so long ago, earlier in the year, I accidentally deleted all my receipts from this year. Because <laughs> I, I keep photos of all my receipts. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. But you just log into Dropbox and it keeps a history. And I just went, you know, told, oh, it, told it to re-download it. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's like when you buy a new laptop and you can just like log into, you know, just put Dropbox in, just syncs all your, and it's great. I have it set up on multiple. So I've got an old PC at home. So I have that so it syncs. And also it syncs the clouds so when I go on my uh, Chromebook. I can mm -hmm. access my Dropbox because uh, I've sort of attached that to my 
Google files and, and stuff. So that's it's great. Dropbox is a great tool. I think there's other services probably equally as good. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I use Dropbox uh, just because I've used it for years and years and years. But I also use uh, Apple's one as well, iCloud. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, so I pay for I think it's like a terabyte storage on that, and I kind of use both of them. Yeah, Linda uses that mostly just for photographs. <laughs> well, yeah. So I use iCloud for photographs and anything non-business related. And anything yeah. business related goes in Dropbox. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other tool that I use is I use, and I don't know if you, we've started using this together, is Slack, which is just, it's just a really intuitive, um, what do you call it, chat, or what, what do you call it? Uh, it's kind of modelled on the old um, internet relay chat, yeah. the IRC chat rooms, and yeah, I mean, I use Slack all the time, it's a fantastic tool. Yeah, it's very intuitive, isn't it? It's very easy to use. Um, I like tools where I don't have to think, so I can just go in and use it without having to sort of work out what buttons do what, and it's, it's just it's just very, very... So I use that, um, uh, the guy who we do support with for one of our build calcs products, um, we sort of use that to liaise rather than using email, which is just too, it's just too much, too much faff. Um, I suppose, of course, we've also started using it for the planning of yeah, the show as well. Yeah, so. it's great. Yeah, it's a great tool for things like that. Also, I have a mastermind group as well, so uh, we post in Slack as well, and that's that's really really. Also, I like it that it's not. You can just dip in and out when you want. It doesn't really um, interfere with your day to day work. It's not like it's constantly reminding you, mm. um, like WhatsApp or something like that. It's not like that. Um, so that's, that's great. I recommend Slack, and it's also it's free as well. I think there are some paid options as well but yeah i think it's the free version i think it keeps a ten thousand message history oh does it oh, okay yeah yeah so if you're, if you're not paying once you go over that ten thousand message it starts removing a lot of older messages oh, okay. so I'll if, if, the, if the longer that. history of messages isn't um, important to you then it's the only thing i've found with slack is i think it works well if it's a smaller group like i think up to three people i think once i've, I've looked at the technotium one where there's like loads of people in there and it's just a mess it's, it's noise, too, yeah. It's too much noise. It's too hard. I think if it's a smaller group, or if it's two of you, or three of you, or possibly even four, but I think any more than that. I don't know if, if you've been in any large groups on Slack and Flutter. I have, it's so there's, um, there's one that Pluralsight runs for all the authors and uh, content producers called Pluralsight Authors. And um, yeah, they, they, I think there must be eight, nine hundred people in there, if not more. Wow. Because it's, it's a global company, so there's authors all over the world. And, and some of the, the general channel and the more public channels can get a bit noisy but there's lots of um, smaller ones there's like a UK authors one where just people from the UK converse so it, it kind of works okay I don't spend a huge amount of time in there yeah I think you have to sort of try and use it wisely um, like these things they can take overtake your life a little bit um, these sort of products so same with like social media you kind of have to be careful don't you how much you dip into it yeah um, the other the other tool that we use for project management is a tool called Trello. Are you familiar with? I assume you're familiar with Trello. Is that? Yeah, yeah, I use it every day. Oh, well, fantastic! Yeah, yeah Trello is another free cloud tool. Um, so a lot, most of the software I use is cloud based now. That's why I'm sort of more in the Chromebook ecosystem, you know, mm. because they're they're all sort of um, web tools. So I use Trello. I primarily use it for my mastermind group actually, but I have used it in the past for managing projects. Um, so if we're doing a new feature or something, um, I've not used it so much recently. More just for the mastermind stuff. Do, I don't know if you use it on for your work when collaborating with other people or. I don't really use it to collaborate as much. To be fair, so I, I have two main Trello boards I use. I've got one for my main sort of business, and I have. Oh, is this for to do list for yourself then? Are then yeah. Effectively, yeah. So I have I have one um, column in there which is my goals for the year. So I just have my goals recorded in there as, as a separate card for each one, just so I can instantly see them. 
Yeah. Um, and then I have um, another board, well, not another board, but another column, which is just like um, different project ideas that I've got. Yeah. So they're kind of more informational ones. And then I have my typical, you know, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm currently doing. This is what's blocked. So it's kind of more like a traditional Kanban style. Ah, okay. But yeah. I use it all the time. Then I have a second board, which I use for tracking the state of all the books that I'm writing. Okay, yeah. So I know yeah. which, which ones I'm researching, which ones have been outlined, which ones I'm currently writing, ah, the various publishing stages they're at. So I use freelance copy editors to help me out with the book. So I know I can see where the book is at in which stage at any point yeah. in time. So it's for your own better, because I tend to use Trello more if I'm liaising with other people rather than on my own, but perhaps I should use it. As I, I, use, I use it mostly for my own personal tracking. Ah, okay, yeah. Yeah, the other tool that I, there's a few other tools that I use as well. Um, we do like drip email campaigns. Um, we use a, uh, a product called Drip. I think it's drip.com, I think, is their website. Although, to be fair, I'm not using it as much as I once was, so we may stop using it at some point in the future because we do obviously have to pay out for two accounts because I've run two businesses. Um, but I don't know, do you use MailChimp or what? Do you any, use any email? So I've, I've set one up recently, um, but I've not started promoting it yet. So I use one called Aweber. Okay, yeah. So it lets me put a form on my site so people can sign up. And I can do, I've set up a lead magnet where people sign up and then they get two free books. Okay, yeah. When they yeah. sign up, but I've not started promoting it yet. I'm still trying to work out. Because you, you can set up like a schedule of emails. I guess yeah, the same. yeah, that's what it's, yeah. I'm so sure. you can say, you know, this is your welcome email. After one week, I want to send people this and this and this. So I'm still kind of planning out the content for that at the moment. Yeah, with, with Drip, you could do lots of clever, like, automation rules, but I've never really got into it that much. I've done a few basic automation rules, but there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with it, which I don't, don't really utilize. I think with our product, it hasn't really worked so well doing Drip email campaigns because you tend to find people have an instant need for our product rather than they're looking for the future. They're kind yeah. of looking for now, so it doesn't really always necessarily work that great. Um, and the other thing is, that obviously, because I'm a structural engineer, I do use some specialist engineering software, so it's like QuickJoin and CAD and things like that. That's okay. one of the reasons why I haven't really gone to Mac as well, because a lot of the software is quite specialist, that specifically only works on the PC. Oh, uh, right, yeah. No, um, that makes a so difference. And most structural engineers are kind of stuck on the PC ecosystem because of the specialist software that they use, which is a bit of a pain, right? I, know I, I did have things, can't you? kind of a similar issue, because um, a lot of my focus has been software development, so typically because I work in the Microsoft space, I use Visual Studio, okay, which is yeah. a, a Windows-only tool, but it was a Windows-only tool. So I was running Windows in a virtual machine on the Mac for about nine months. Okay. But then Microsoft released what's called .NET Core, which is the cross-platform version of all their frameworks. Yeah. And so since they've done that, I've just moved over to using their cross-platform stuff. But I'm, I'm, more in, I'm more inclined to sort of go down the Chromebook route and, and get like, I'd like a Pixel book, that'd be quite nice. Or, mm. or possibly like, um, you know, the Dell XPSs or something like that, they, they look really nice. The second to last laptop I used um, before I went to Mac was actually a Dell XPS 13, and that was a really, really nice laptop. Yeah, I was looking at very one nice in laptop. PC World the other day, and I thought, yeah, so, so having a play it, it was the one with 16 gig RAM, and it seemed pretty rapid, you know, mm. just sort of going around and stuff, and I thought they looked pretty nice. Um, so I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to look at some point next year at upgrading, so um, but it's not top of my list, really. I mean, everything I have kind of works, but not brilliantly, you know, mm. it's good enough, you know. Okay, also I think it's worth mentioning some of the services that we use. Um, hmm. I, I like to use, um, I know people that use is Odesk or Upwork, whatever it is now, um, but I've previously had a people per hour, which is a similar sort of equivalent, but because I've got um, a history on there, I've got like a track record, I've got reviews and stuff, so I tend to stick to people per hour. So if I'm hiring freelancers, I tend to post it on people per hour. And also it's more, people per hour is more aimed at structural engineers. 
So there's more structural okay. engineers. It's just odd. Some different platforms have uh, you know concentrations of particular specialities, and it tends to be the structural engineers tend to be on the the people per hour. Yeah, because I've used um, I've used Fiverr.com a fair amount, mainly for sort of graphic design. Okay, yeah, sort of yeah. small bits of graphic work. But I guess people per hour is that more specialised. Yeah, it tends to be. Yeah, I mean, I've looked at Upwork and I posted uh, recently to hire a support person, and I had more joy on people per hour than I did on Upwork. I think it's just the nature of the people that happen to be on that platform. Okay. But, I mean, whatever works for you. There's lots of them, isn't there? So you've used like Fiverr. There's there's Upwork. There's people per hour. And do you get to negotiate the uh, hourly rate yeah well. yeah yeah um but it was more the more the caliber of the the candidates uh would seem to be better on people per hour okay. so just for some reason it's that's just an oddity of the platform i think um so yeah and i'd recommend people per hour or any of the the similar some of my friends do use upwork and that's great because it has um where you can track what how your employees the dashboard's great where it tells you whether they're working on your project and how how long they spend working for you things like that and you can have like you can sort of monitor them and not have videos of the things that it's yeah. kind of a bit big brotherish. I don't I don't really want to go to that extreme, but it is really good yeah. though. Um, the other product I, I'd recommend is I've been tinkering with is is Shopify. And I think if you just want to create like an e-commerce website, so I've been tinkering around with the e-commerce websites, I think Shopify is a great tool because mm. they've got set templates and they're good enough. They're not brilliant, but they're good enough just to get like a you know to test an idea out. Um have used like uh, WordPress in the past as well to sort of um, use it for MVPs and stuff, you know, because I'm not a technical person, but I can sort of use these site builders to... to, to... I've, heard, I've heard quite a lot about Shopify, actually, because um, some videos I was watching, they were talking about it. So you get people who will, like, find a product niche um, that, say, manufactured in China. Yeah, um, yeah. Using, oh, what's that website Alibaba. Called? Alibaba, that's it. Yeah. And um, so they'll set up a Shopify site, and then there's some plugins for Shopify, which will actually... When the order comes in, it will automatically route it to Alibaba or to the manufacturer. Oh, it will manufacture yeah. and then ship the product out straight away. Oh, it's great there. Uh, Shopify have this uh, sort of app. You can buy different apps and things or whatever it is, and uh, they're great. It's a really, really, and it doesn't. It's it, all you have to do is click a button. Some, some of them are free. Some of them you have to pay for. But it's really, really. It's a nice platform. I've got um, had an in- marketing intern who's working for me, and he's thinking about setting up an e-commerce site, and I recommended Shopify, and he's mm. gonna gonna have a look at it. And it's a great tool if you just want to try. You pay like a monthly fee, but it's not a lot of money. So there's okay. little, there's not much upfront investment. You've not got to pay a developer to build a, like back in the day, a bespoke e-commerce site, which cost a fortune. You know, you'd have to spend thousands when you had to build. Back in the day, you would have had to have done. And does that give you all the ability to take card payments, pay by PayPal? Yeah, yeah, you get to pick different payment options. So on mine, I had um, what well, used to be Stripe and uh, PayPal. Um, but you just use the standard Shopify things. And also, I think once you get so advanced, you could always pay for a designer to sort of reskin your site to make it look nice and things. You know, you've got loads of options, but I'd recommend that if you're just starting out with an e-commerce site. Okay. Um, the other thing we use is, I don't know if you use, um, we use SendGrid for our transactional emails for our software products. Um, so I don't know if you, it's not probably something you have to worry about unless you're sending out like transactional um, emails. Not for, not for my current business, but the startup I was working for before, uh, we used Microsoft Azure's uh, web services okay, and yeah. SendGrid was one of the options on that. So we actually use that for sending out templated emails. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the other things we use for taking payments, we use Stripe. Um, previously we had, we did use PayPal, but it's kind of a bit clunky and it didn't look great because people, mm. people had to go off our page and go onto PayPal and then go oh, okay, back. Yeah. Whereas now we use Stripe, we take payment on our page and it's, 
I'm not a developer, so I don't know, but apparently Stripe is really easy to work with for a developer. So I'd recommend Stripe for your payments rather than PayPal or another provider. I mean, I remember back in the day, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you've ever got involved with taking pay. I used to have a WorldPay account and it was a pain because you had to have a merchant account. We had to pay for yeah, it, set it all yeah. up. It was an absolute, we had to pay for a merchant account and then we had to pay a monthly subscription for WorldPay and then, and then it charged us for each transaction as well. But nowadays with Stripe, it just charges it per transaction. You don't have to set up a merchant account or anything like that. So it's just so much easier. Um, the other thing we use uh, is, is a tool called Shopper Approved. So um, this is for aggregating, re aggregating reviews. Um, so when somebody makes a purchase, it goes through to a page where a little widget pops up and people can leave reviews and also it prompts them to leave further reviews. So they do initial review and then they can do like a full review later on. Um, but I don't know, do you use any tools for soliciting reviews or? No, I don't. So with things like uh, Pluralsight, I mean, they have their own kind of discussion boards and review system in there. Oh, so, of course, so yeah. that just uses theirs and the same with Amazon, they've got Amazon reviews. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, so it's not like you need an independent tool. You know? I don't need to do it um, separately. I mean, if I had, if I was doing like a software as a service product, then absolutely I'd use Yeah, I like mean, ShopRapid, when we got it, it was super cheap because it was just starting out, but now it's really expensive apparently. So um, I think it's, that's sometimes when it's good to get in, when a product starts out and you can become one of their first users and get mm. a good deal. And then when they get, you know, more well-known, they get more expensive. Uh, the other thing that I like to use, I'm a big fan of using, because I'm not technical, I like to use website builders. So I think you've mentioned that you've used WordPress. Um, but I like I like Wix. There's other ones like Weebly and et cetera and Squarespace and all these sort of ones. Yeah, I've heard a lot of really good things about Squarespace. Yeah, yeah, I think they're all pretty good. I mean, I like Wix because it's got these, it's great like drag and drop sort of designs. You know, you can create your own designs or you can just go on the templates and sort of tweak it. And it's great if you're not technical, you know, just have a drag and drop thing I've, I've used other ones i've used wordpress in the past and there's a thing called mr site but i think that's died now that was an uk based so i couldn't know so do you use wix for steam build still boom calculator no no i don't use it for any of our production sites okay. or anything. but i have used it to sort of test out ideas and stuff it, it's it's great you can just do one for free as well mm. and then you have to pay extra for the domain name and stuff but it's really really cool cool some pretty interesting uh services there so i thought i'd just cover a few of the additional ones that i use okay yeah um, just quickly so one that i'm a real big fan of is a tool called iThoughts x and okay. it's a it's a mac app but it's a mind mapping app and okay. there, there's various different versions for windows as well yeah with similar sorts of ideas but if i'm trying to you know brainstorm some ideas around a new project i like to use mind mapping software and it's one of those things where you have like a, an idea in the center then you have like a, a line coming out of it with some other ideas and then you can have other lines kind of snaking out from that with additional ideas. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's a really good way of just developing ideas very, very quickly. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then it gives you this sort of big visual map, which you can then use to kind of structure the information sort of further down the line. So it's just very handy for yeah, developing might, ideas. Yeah, I might check that one out. Um, I use things like Office. I mean, we've talked about Google Docs. I use Office predominantly. I don't tend to use the, uh, the stuff that comes with Apple that much. Okay, like, yeah. like Pages and Keynote, nothing wrong with them. They're actually quite nice. But if I'm working or collaborating with other people, it's normally with Excel files or Word documents. Yeah, I think it's just a historical thing what you used to, so you've not got to think about new, using a new piece of software or. Yeah. So for software development, I mean, I use things like Xcode, Visual Studio on the Mac, and Visual Studio Code, which is like an open source code editor. And I use that for developing software with. I use a tool called uh, Git Kraken, which is a source control client. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I use, I use, I host all my source code in GitHub. 
but Git Kraken is a client I use locally. Yeah, he's just, I think it's kind of bridge to me now. So. It's a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit <laughs> no, of a no. silly name. So, that, you know, if there's any software developers listening, those will probably make complete sense to anyone listening. Um, for more sort of creative stuff, you know, like producing courses for the Pluralsight, I use something called ScreenFlow 7, okay, yeah. and which is a, a screen recorder. Okay, so what yeah, I tend yeah. to do is I'll have on one monitor, I've got my script and notes, and then I have another screen which I'm actually recording and then I narrate into the microphone, and then as I'm narrating, it's a bit like doing a, a conference talk. You know, I've, okay. I've, I've got a slide clicker behind my back, so you can't hear it click, and then I just click through the slides whilst doing my narration. Okay, yeah. So yeah. I record all of that in ScreenFlow. I do all the editing in ScreenFlow. So it's, okay, a, it's yeah. a very, very good uh, that, that's, video that's editor. That's a good tool, then, is it? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I used to use one called Camtasia before, which yeah, I've heard of Camtasia. on Windows is really, really good. I've never been a fan of the Mac version. Okay, it, it yeah. works. It's you know, it's reasonably stable. It's just a bit clunky. Okay, so I, I prefer yeah, ScreenFlow. Yeah. Um, I use a tool called Logic Pro 10, which is a kind of an audio sequencer tool. Yeah. Uh, I use that mainly for editing this podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I have a template which I use after every episode, which I load our audio files in. I've got various different tracks with the music and the stings and all the effects all set up already. It's yeah, really good for templating. Good for, for somebody who wants to do their own podcast. Yeah, it's very handy. I mean, it's probably a bit overkill for doing a podcast, but <laughs> I had it already and I'm familiar with how to use it. So yeah. I, I can actually edit this show together very, very quickly with it. Um, I use things like Lightroom and Photoshop as well for doing image manipulation. Okay. Yeah, uh, image, yeah. image touching up. Yeah, are they, are they cloud-based or...? So the version of Photoshop I use isn't, but they've got a new version called Lightroom CC, which is their new cloud version okay, yeah. of Lightroom, which is really good. So if you're into photography and manipulating images that's very good and that works yeah. across do you tend to do you tend to use SaaS products or do you tend to use non-SaaS products do you, do you... Uh, it depends so a lot of the software development tools uh, they're not SaaS products they're you know download you have to install them locally yeah, yeah. Uh, ScreenFlow again because it's doing a lot of image manipulation and video editing that's kind of runs locally on the machine um, I mean I use things like Trello and Wonderlist What's, what's Wonderlist? Wonderlist, it's a to-do list. Is it? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's, I mean, I could just do to-do lists in Trello, but if I'm like, you know, packing for a conference and I just need a quick list of things I need to put do, in my yeah. case, I, I just tend to use Wonderlist. I'm, I'm terrible, I'm sort of a pen and paper person when it comes to do lists. I tend to just have a clipboard. I used to be, but then, yeah, if my wife gives me a big long shopping list of things I need to get in the supermarket, I just stick it in Wonderlist and I, I tick <laughs> them off on my phone as we go Take around. Uh, another tool I use, which is more of a Mac one, is called Numi which is an interactive calculator. Okay, yeah. Sounds a lot more complex than what it is. It's basically a calculator app, but you type the sums out and it lets you declare variables. So where I use it all the time is for doing um, financial projections. Okay. So I can say, you know, I've got, you know, seven books released. The average price after Amazon royalties might be $1.50, for example. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, if I sell a, one copy no, or you know, one copy of each book each day. Over a week, I would earn this. Over a month, I would earn this. But because it's out there in front of you on the screen, you can play around with the numbers. So you might okay. say, well, I might not sell one copy of each book. I might only sell half a copy of the books. I've yeah, got. yeah. So it just lets you do kind of best and worst case financial predictions. Okay, yeah, that's handy, yeah. A lot of people yeah. use Excel for that sort of thing, but I mean, I, I just really like this tool. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's best to use the tool that's suited to its task. Hmm. I think sometimes if you know if you want to use um, like if you want to manage your project online, perhaps Trello is the or 
to collaborate is, is the best tool. But sometimes if you try and use something say like Google Docs for doing that, it's not as good. So I think it's best to use the tools, you know, that you know what they're designed for. Yeah. And then when it comes to services, I mean, a lot of the ones you discussed, okay, you know, yeah. I've, I've kind of I've used as well. So I use Fiverr.com quite a lot for freelancers. Okay, I've never used Fiverr, yeah. Is, is it actually a Fiverr for, for a Some things are, but the idea is they want to upsell you. So if you buy something for a Fiverr, you might not be very good and you won't get any revisions on it. Okay. So, like, for example, the logo for the podcast. I mean, I think I paid $60 for it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it enabled me to have, you know, several revisions with the person doing it, and he gave me several different options to start with that we, okay. that we could pick. So you can pay extra for different levels of yeah, service. Yeah, that's, that's, that's handy, isn't it, for smaller projects? And the other ones for trees mostly is, uh, so I've got KDP Selects, which is Amazon's uh, back-end book publishing system. Okay, yeah, yeah. So when you want to release a book, you go in there, you set the book up, you upload the manuscript, you upload PDFs of the paperback version, set all the pricing, keywords, descriptions, and then it gives you all of your daily reports so you can see how your books are doing each day. Are your, are your books available on Kindle, are they? Or? Yeah, yeah, all, all on Kindle and paperback. How does how's that work? Do you have to upload the Kindle the Kindle file or... I you can know. do, so you can upload it as a .mobi file or you oh, can just okay. upload a Word document. If you format your Word document correctly to their guidelines, it will just convert a Word oh, document. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. So I use that and then there's another website that's owned by Amazon called acx.com which is their back-end system for producing audiobooks. Okay. So it's like a two-way marketplace so I can put an audition up, I'll get a load of narrators send me their narration of that audition I can pick and negotiate with a narrator, and then it can, it walks you through the process. Oh, wow. Do you, so you do audio versions of all your books then? Or? Um, I've got three released so far as audio books. Uh, yeah, I've got a fourth in production. The aim is that every book will have an audio book, but there's a kind of a lead time in producing those. Yeah, I think that the way it seems to be more common now. I've never really got into audio books, but it's something I might look at. Because I can imagine it's more efficient, isn't it, to listen to a book than read it. If you so. commute a lot. I mean, I sometimes listen to audio books. Most of the time I listen to podcasts. Cool, okay, so the final segment of the show then. So this is where we both recommend something. This is, we've been kind of recommending stuff for the entire episode, but you know. Yeah, yeah, even more stuff for you to check out. Yeah. So more stuff for you to check out. So Kevin, what, what would you like to recommend? Yeah, I'd recommend, I'm a, a big reader of books, um, and the one I'm recommending, it's a book called E-Myths Revisited, and it's it's kind of an old book now, and it's probably not relevant to most sort of software guys. It's, it's kind of more like a general business book, um, and it, it's sort of like, it's all about the importance of working on the business rather than in the business. Sometimes you get sucked into the minutiae of the business rather than sort of like looking at the bigger picture of how you can grow the business and, and make the business more sustainable. So it kind of gives you that focus. I would recommend that as a book for you to check out. Um, okay. It sort of, it changed my thinking. That's probably why I got it. I went away from doing a consultancy into doing a, sort of going more software business because I saw it as more systemized and as a better business. Um, and I think it does give you that kind of focus. I think it's it's well worth having a look. Cool. I mean, you, you recommend so many books to me, and my, my reading list is getting massive <laughs> at the moment. Bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> Don't read them all. Just just read the ones that are relevant to what you're doing mm. right now. You know. Cool. So my uh, pick this week is kind of a strange one. Um, so when I when I'm working away, I like to be as productive as I can. But sometimes it's not always appropriate to get your laptop out. So if I'm in a restaurant and I'm, and I'm by myself, for example. I do a lot of traveling by myself. Sometimes it's not necessarily a good idea just to whip your laptop out. But sometimes I want to get I, I want to get some work done. Or if I'm on a really small airplane, 
where you can't quite get a laptop on the tray table in front oh, of okay, you. Yeah, yeah. Especially if the person in front of you is a recliner as well. Mm. Yeah, you, you can't really get some work done. So I've, I've tried to think about ways I could get around this. So what I do now is if I'm in that situation, I've got this little Microsoft folding keyboard. It's literally about smaller than like an old CD case for those who, okay. for, for those who remember CDs. <laughs> CDs, what they? <laughs> and you, you, know, you, you fold it out and it's a full QWERTY keyboard and then I pair it to my phone. Okay, yeah, and I've got a mini a, computer. Yeah, it's brilliant. So I've got an app on there called Ulysses, which is a, a writing app, really lightweight writing app. And I'll use it for, you know, writing scripts for courses, writing blog posts. And it just means, you know, if, if I want to get some work done, but I can't just get the laptop out or I'm limited in space, I'll, yeah. I'll just get this out. And the idea came to me, so there's a friend of mine, Dylan Beatty, who's a, a regular on the conference circuit. And he's, a, you know, he wears this like big like, trench coat and one of these big sort of Stetson-y type hat things. Yeah. And I was in a restaurant in uh, Minnesota, was waiting to catch our flight back. He just took his hat off, leaned his phone up against it, and pulled out this little folding keyboard, and he was answering emails. I was like, "That's really cool." Yeah, yeah. So I've yeah. Uh, so I've got a similar keyboard to that, although I don't wear the hat. So I've got, uh, I've, okay, I've got a, yeah. a new case for my phone with a little kickstand, so I can stand the phone up. Yeah, I have thought about getting a really, really small Chromebook. You can get really small, diddly ones and okay. using it like that. But yeah, no, that would be. It's not hard on your phone. It's hard on your phone to do anything. You know. Involves some typing, or it, it's difficult. So yeah, I can see that bunch of a little mini keyboard. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I'm, I'm not doing video editing or anything heavy on the phone, but if I'm just writing blog posts or show notes for this show, or working on the script for one of my courses, I can just continue on my phone, and, okay. and, it, and it all syncs back to my Mac. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's very handy. So great, that's another sh- that's another show wrapped. Another, another one done. Yeah, another one in the, in the can. So thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll be back in two weeks with our next show. Okay, goodbye folks. See ya.